You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries on today's edition. We somehow think that we're put on probation with God now. Sometimes we treat people like this in church. They fall into sin, we forgive them, but we won't touch them with a 10-foot pole for about a year and a half or two years until they've proven themselves again. I don't find that anywhere in the Bible. If I immediately confess my sin and repent of it, He immediately forgives me. And when He immediately forgives me, my relationship with Him is restored. There is no distance between me and God, only that which I allow as an illusion to live in my mind. Did you ever mess up? You messed up so bad that you will never be right again? Do you think that God is watching you to hit you on the head if you mess up again? Today, Pastor Gary declares that God is not like that. As a good father, God loves his children and covers us when we fall. God's forgiveness restores our friendship with him. As he forgives us, we must also forgive others that God has restored. This pleases God. Let's enjoy God's hug and embrace those that God embraces. Now here's Pastor Gary in the book of Romans chapter 8 as he continues his message, This Means War. Verse 33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? You know, the enemy's got a plot. He's going to try to pit God against you, and he's going to try to pit you against God. Now watch and follow me real quickly. It says, if God be for us, who can be against us, right? Now remember, we've already established the truth that the weapons may be formed, but they need not prosper. So here's the thing. I'm glad for the day that on September the 9th I trusted Christ as my Savior. And here's why. Because the enemy is still making false charges against me. Amen. He is called the accuser of the brethren. And listen to me. The enemy is going to make charges. He said, who shall lay anything to the charge or the account of God's elect whenever I was Growing up uh, at home, uh, uh, we was within walking distance of an old country store, and Daddy had what they called a credit account. One month, uh, we made the mistake of going down there one too many times and putting things on Daddy's credit account without his verbal permission. And uh, (laughs) he accrued a debt, amen, because his children were making too many uh, unapproved transactions. And, of course, I remember when Daddy... Uh, scolded us, and then he went up to the store owner and scolded him uh, for allowing his children to come up there and run up his bill. Can you imagine such a sight? And you got to know my daddy, when he gets hot, he gets hot. Amen. And uh, I remember him fussing about that. But, you know, uh, it got me to thinking about sometimes how the enemy will come up and he will start talking to you about your past that's already up under the blood as if you've got a bill that is yet to be paid. And he'll cause you to try to live in guilt and shame over something that the blood has already cleansed as a believer in Jesus Christ. And what the Bible is saying is, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? You see, the enemy charges. This means he essentially calls an alleged debt. You ever heard of the old phrase where they called for the loan? Where the bank calls and says it's time to pay up? 
Uh, this is one of the reasons, as I understand history, correct me if I'm wrong, Miss Peggy, that we went into such a great depression back in the 30s is a lot of the banks uh, just started calling their loans. They wanted a whole lump sum all up front. Amen. And, of course, since they've created laws to where they can't just do it all at once anymore, and hopefully uh, that's helped us and will continue to help us. But when someone calls a loan that you owe, you better pay up. Now, the enemy's going to use those charges against you. Many of them are fake, but if you're lost, they could be true. Amen. Uh, if you're lost, they could be true. But what business does the devil have accusing the lost? They're going to go to hell anyway. He don't need to convince God of your lostness. He's going to try to convince God that you aren't worthy of his blood. And many of you are living under guilt and condemnation. Amen. And it's a battle strategy. The enemy's trying to get you to feel like you're unworthy to serve God so that you'll sit there feeling sorry for yourself and thinking that God don't love you and living under things that God's already forgiven you for. The enemy also condemns. Verse 34 teaches us this. I'm talking about the plot of the enemy. Who is he that condemneth? This word condemn means to place judgment or a sentence upon. The devil doesn't even have the right to do that. But he's going to condemn you if he can. He knows he really that he's not going to convince God that you're condemned. But he's going to try to convince you. This is the plot of the enemy. And you've got somebody that's coming to you constantly trying to beat you down and keep you from living in the victory that already belongs to you as a believer in Jesus Christ. So he charges and he condemns. What else does he do? Verse 35 teaches us that he seeks to separate us. The Bible said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? This simply means to place room or distance between. Now to the believer, Jesus promised that he would never leave us nor forsake us. So when the enemy comes, to try to separate you from God, it is all optics. It is perception. It is to cause you to believe, that, and we use this expression all the time, I'm not as close to God as I used to be. I understand that theological, what you mean, but let me tell you something, you can't get away from God. He said He will never leave you. He will never forsake you as a believer. Now, from your frame of reference, from your perspective, from your place of obedience, you may be further from God than you need to be. But so far as there being distance between you and God, the Bible says who's going to do it? Who has the power to do that? Nobody. Absolutely right. Nobody has the power to do that. Not even yourself. He said no man should be able to pluck you out of my hand. This is the plot of the enemy to charge you, to condemn you, to separate you from the Father, if not literally, because that's impossible, at least uh, in your mind, so that you will live a defeated Christian existence. Thinking, well, I disappointed the Lord. And so many times we have this misconception of what it takes to please the Lord. I want to give you something this morning that will set you free if you'll listen to it and take it to heart. Do you want to know how to please the Father? Trust His Son. Trust His Son. That's how you please the Father. This is the work that He's called us to that we might believe in Him and whom He has sent. 
You want to know what the works of God are? The works of God are to believe in Jesus Christ. To trust Jesus Christ. If you'll put your trust in Christ. I'm not talking about putting your trust in your ability to serve the church. And your trust in your ability to serve God. And I know we want to please God. And we need to show works uh, that are fruit for repentance and all that. But listen to me. I'm not working for God uh, to prove to God my worthiness. To prove to God uh, that He should bless me or that He should uh, anoint me or he, he should use me mightily because after all I've been faithful to Him uh, and I I earned the right to be used of God. No, we don't work for God uh, uh, to gain brownie points with Him or to earn His favor. His favor has already been put upon us through His shed blood. Uh, uh, we work for God to glorify Him and to bring others to Him, not to convince Him of our worthy state with Him. So we need to change our perspective about why and how we work for the Lord. This is a delivering word for somebody. Because you've been working so hard, but you're constantly disappointed in the weakness of your flesh. And you're constantly living with a defeated spirit and a defeated mind and a defeated attitude. And you're like, will I ever measure up? My friend, you never did and you never will and you should never try to measure up. Put your faith in Jesus Christ and you will please the Father today. Amen. This is a lie of the enemy. This is the plot to charge, to condemn, to try to separate. But now let's look at God's plan that counteracts the plot of the enemy. He has an answer for all three of these. While the enemy, for example, is charging the elect, the Bible says in verse 33, uh, it is God that justifies. So get this, uh, if we are being charged or it's being said of us that we owe a debt uh, uh, that we should pay, but it's already been paid for, the Bible says God took care of it by justifying us. This literally means that He renders us just or innocent. So when God renders you just and innocent, uh, no one has the legal authority to charge you for a debt that Jesus Christ has already paid on your behalf. I'm talking about this is the plan of God. Amen. I'm talking about this is war. Amen. I remember studying my Bible and I read where Adam and Eve plunged the whole human race into sin and no doubt it broke the heart of God as men were separated from God but God already had a plan from before the foundation of the earth God rolled up his sleeves and got to work on a plan of redemption so that never again would men have to be separated from a holy God and he made a way so that we could be justified declared innocent, declared righteous through the blood of Christ you need to learn how to stand in the righteousness of Christ alone and quit trying to stand on the righteousness of your grounds. Yes. Never argue with the devil about what you did for God. You'll lose the battle. You'll lose the argument with the devil. Because for every good thing you can bring the devil up for what you did for God, he can bring up ten things that you did against God. And he'll have you so depressed and discouraged, you'll want to quit church. You want to quit teaching Sunday school. You want to quit uh, helping the neighbor. Amen. You want to quit giving because you say, well, what's the use? My goodness, I didn't realize I was that bad. Some, some people misbehave so much they think, can a Christian even live like this? Can we park right here a minute? I'm trying to help you. I do believe that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. But the Bible does not teach a state of sinless perfection until we get our glorified bodies. 
Simply put, you can still sin after you're saved. And you can still mess up after you're saved in your flesh. And I'm not going to sit here and try to convince you that you're lost because you did something that quote-unquote only lost people could do. Because newsflash, as long as you're in your fleshly body that's corrupt by sin, you can do anything a lost person could do if you forget who you are and whose you are in Christ. Now, do I believe that there'll be a grief over that? Yes. Do I believe you'll be chastened as a child of God over that? Absolutely. But don't come to the notion of thinking, well, I must be lost because I have this struggle. No, you have the struggle because you live in a body that's still cursed by sin. And it still wants what it wants, whether your spirit wants it or not. Amen. Even Paul the Apostle said that there was a war in his members. Are we to pretend like that we're any better than Paul the Apostle? Paul said there's a war when I would do good, evil is present, right? You remember what Paul said? We all have this struggle. Now, at the same time, I'm not going to try to convince you that you're saved if you're not. That's between you and God. But you know where we can settle the score at the foot of the cross? If you put all you know of you into all you know of Jesus. Amen. Trust him. Seek forgiveness. Repent, which means change your heart and mind about your sin. Say, I'm willing to turn. I want to walk in newness of life. And give your heart and life to Jesus. You know what he'll do? He'll save you. He'll cleanse you and forgive you. And he will put power within you to do that, that you have absolutely no power to do in and of yourself. And there is this reality. Some people do need to check up. Some people may be because they lost is the reason they live in sin. Because I, I don't think you can live in habitual sin over and over and not be checked by the Holy Ghost if you're saved. But we need to be balanced with this. Some people are saved, but they're carnal. They haven't got the victory over their flesh yet. You know how to get the victory over your flesh? You walk in the Spirit. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh that means to live under the influence of the holy spirit to allow the spirit of god to be your motivating and driving and guiding force in life because as long as you're listening to the voice of god and doing only what the father says do you're not going to do what the flesh says do now this is war but you can win the war if you'll stand on the ground of christ alone you know what happens? We trip up. We allow the enemy. I'm talking about for believers that are already in Christ. And we mess up after we're saved. We allow the enemy to create distance in our minds between us and the Father. That somehow we think we need to cover ourselves. Or recover ourselves. And religion calls it penance. We somehow think that we're put on probation with God now. Sometimes we treat people like this in church. They fall into sin, we forgive them, but we won't touch them with a 10-foot pole for about a year and a half or two years until they've proven themselves again. I don't find that anywhere in the Bible. If I immediately confess my sin and repent of it, He immediately forgives me. And when He immediately forgives me, my relationship with Him is restored. There is no distance between me and God, only that which I allow as an illusion to live in my mind. You're as close to God as quickly as as you confess and forsake your sin. So get up and move on for God. Right. Hey, listen, God has an advantage that you don't have. He has the advantage and the power to choose to forget and never remember your sin against you again. Your natural mind don't give you that advantage. You will always remember what you did, whether God does or not. And the enemy tries to use that to your advantage. 
Just because you remember it don't mean God's convicting you. If it's under the blood, amen, you're no longer under condemnation from God. Am I helping anybody? If I am, say amen. I'm talking about this is war. You've got to learn how to fight this battle legally and biblically. You know what the Bible is? It's God's legal document on how you can have a relationship with him. And if you'll do it God's way, you'll stand firm on solid ground. Somebody wrote the song, we sing it. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. So when the enemy charges, God justifies. Not only that, but when the enemy condemns, Christ deals with it himself. Look at verse 34 again. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ. What did Christ do? He died. And then it said, Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. I looked up that word intercession, and one of the definitions that really stood out to me was the phrase, quote, to deal with. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. You know what that told me? Brother John, that told me that when the enemy was condemning me, Christ dealt with it. Amen. Christ dealt with it. How did Jesus deal with what condemnation was rest upon me? He stepped into a robe of flesh. Uh, he laid his life down and he took my condemnation for me. Amen. So that in my place there, the flawless, sinless Lamb of God paid for my sin and he dealt with it himself so that he could strip the enemy of any power of accusation over me. Now that's the power of the blood of Christ. That is the power of salvation. And it's irrevocable, it's irreversible. Amen. Once that blood is applied to your life, you are declared as righteous as Jesus himself. It is dealt with. And that's why he asked the question in verse 34, Who is he that condemneth? You remember the lady who was found in the very act of adultery. In Jesus' earthly ministry, they paraded her before him to make a humiliating show of her and also to try to catch him in an unlawful response. Trying to catch him at his words. And as, uh, as they brought her before him, they wanted to know what Moses' law, they told him what Moses' law said it should do. And of course, the law said she should be stoned to death. They said, well, but what do you say needs to be done? He stooped down. Boy, I can just shout over the stooping. <laughs> Amen. Uh, he was writing something on the ground. I'm not sure what it was. The Bible don't tell us clearly. I have a suspicion that it was something from the law that brought conviction to those that were beholding the whole scene. Because the thing that Jesus said is, he that is without sin cast the first stone. Could it be that he was writing the personal sins of every onlooker on the ground to bring them to an awareness of their own vile state. And then after he convicted them and convinced them of their own sin, said, now he that's without sin cast the first stone. I think that's a viable option. Can't prove it, but it makes sense to me. <laughs> and one by one, they dropped their stones and walked away from the greatest to the least. And when they were all gone, Jesus said, Woman, where are thine accusers? And I love what she said. There are none. <laughs> you know what Jesus will do whenever, whenever you put your faith in Christ? He removes every accuser. 
He removes every accusation because you're covered in the blood. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. He gave her a new start. A fresh chance. See, where she was guilty and the devil was right about it and the law was clear as to what should be done. Jesus stepped in and he took care of it. He dealt with it himself and took upon himself the guiltiness of all mankind so that he could trade his life for ours. And if our faith would transfer his righteousness to our account, thank the Lord for the plan of salvation. Amen. And then while the enemy was trying to separate, Christ covered the distance. Amen. Uh, He covered the distance. He said, nay, in all these things, verse 37, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And the songwriter said, uh, he reached further down than I could reach up. Somebody said, uh, uh, if you'll meet God halfway, uh, he'll take it from there. I got news for you. Uh, If you uh, can't even take the first step towards him, if you can just breathe one last breath or whisper asking for hope and salvation he'll come to where you're at and he'll go all the way I'm glad he went all the way all the way from heaven's throne to earth's depths even down to hell itself so that he could rescue you and I out of our pit of despair oh yes I'm glad that he covered the distance between me and a holy God aren't you? And so what can separate you from the love of God? Really, essentially what it's saying is after you study and are convinced of what all Christ did to remedy the solution, who in the world, who in heaven or earth or hell beneath or anywhere for that matter has any way or any right of declaring either a charge or a condemnation or a creation of separation from you and the love of Christ and the answer is there's absolutely nothing that can thwart God's plan of redemption for mankind this is war and God fought it and the Bible declares that God is a God of war did you know that amen (laughs) he fought for my soul He fought for your soul. So we see the plot. We now see the plan. And I want to show you the power. I want to close with this. Verses 38 and 39. Look at it with me again. Verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life. This is physical conflicts. Somebody say amen right there. And it says, uh, nor angels, nor principalities. This is spiritual conflicts. Amen. Uh, Then it says, uh, nor powers. This is a political conflict. Uh, Then it says, uh, nor things present, nor things to come. This is a a conflict of timing. Amen. Uh, And then it says, nor height, uh, nor depth. This is conflicts of distance that we've already preached about. Amen. And then it says, uh, in case we missed anything, nor any other creature or anything else that you could form up, uh, uh, this is any other conflict not already mentioned. It said, uh, none of this uh, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we saw the plot. uh, We saw God's plan. And now we see its power. It is stirring. It covers everything. There's absolutely no way humanly or divinely possible that you could be separated from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, because Jesus uh, uh, 
covered every bit of the ground from start to finish, from eternity past to eternity future, and everything between and every scenario and every contingency plan that the devil could ever come up with to try to disprove our right to stand in a place with God that is declared righteous. Jesus took care of it all, and there's absolutely no reason that you should be afraid of being separated from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. This is war. God fought the battle over your soul. That's why it said, what shall we then say to these things? <laughs> if God be for us, who can be against us? Now I want to flip that question around and I want to ask it this way. If God be against you, who can be for you? Thanks for listening today to Pastor Gary's message on True North. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an edition. If you've enjoyed today's message, please leave us a note in the comments and be sure to share these teachings with others. True North is a part of Gary Cottle Ministries, and you can learn more by visiting our website, garycottle.com. Is there something we could be praying for in your life right now? Let Pastor Gary know by sending an email to contact at garycoddle.com. That's contact at gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L.com. Would you do something for us too? Would you pray for this ministry of True North? We want to make sure we're following God's plans for us at all times, with courage to step out in faith and humility to allow Him to work. Please pray that we'd stay tethered to the Lord always. Would you also pray for others who will be listening to this broadcast? Pray that God will open ears and hearts to His truth, and that many will come to know Jesus as their personal Savior. Thanks for partnering with us in this way. Our time with you is up for today, but thanks for joining us for this edition of True North.